1: Brandon, Kylie, and Tanner Hendrickson. and I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BKN Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. The Blues, in the midst of a three-game win streak, tonight get set to take on the Chicago Blackhawks to wrap up this three-game road trip. Puck drop is at 6:30. I've got your pregame with Joe Vitale this evening, starting at 5:30. And on the television side, it's going to be a TNT broadcast with the fellas. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line now, and welcome in one of my favorites uh, over six games played in the National Hockey League, and he is one of the pre- and post-analysts for TNT. He is Anson Carter. Anson, it's great to catch up with you, man. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Definitely. Looking forward to this one tonight and looking forward to chatting with you a little bit about it. Let's start big picture with you, though, Anson. Uh, St. Louis Blues, an eight-game losing streak and now in the midst of a three-game win streak. Um, a lot of people say that's how the NHL season goes early on, but what have been your early impressions of this Blues team?
0: It's so true. Everything's so streaky early in the national hockey this season, that's for sure. But you look at around the league and you see what happened in New Jersey, and they wanted to fire Lindy Ruff, and all of a sudden they're on a heater. I don't think Craig Berube's job was in jeopardy at all in St. Louis, but you know, it was only a matter of time before this team turned things around. They're, they're too good. They have too many core pieces still intact from when they won the Stanley Cup championship. And I just thought it was only a matter of time before they found their game. And you can point towards their captain, Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, he pointed the finger at himself like a leader should do. He said his game has to be better, and his game has been better. But I always look at those young players. You know, you look at Kyrie, you look at Thomas. They're rewarded with massive contracts, well-deserved. And it's up to those two young players now to take ownership of the team, of their games, and be consistent. It's no surprise that they've played better the last few games. And as a result, the St. Louis Blues have gone a little bit of a streak.
2: Yeah, Anson, I wanted to ask you specifically about Jordan Kyrou. Two goals in his last three games, and it's, it's coincided, his play, directly with the Blues getting back on track. H- have you noticed anything specifically with him that has changed in this stretch? And then kind of secondarily, uh, what do you make of the player that he is and the contracts that he got in the offseason?
0: Yeah, I'm just seeing fewer turnovers. Like, those two young players play a ton. They're a big part of the St. Louis Blues offense and their structure. And you can't have a team that's as disciplined as the Blues have been the last few years, you know, playing loosey-goosey hockey, just turning the puck over and just playing their own style. Their their, their whole game is predicated on five-man units, and they've had success uh, with that philosophy. So when you have players kind of stepping outside the box, and, yes, offensive players get a longer leash more often than not, when those turnovers lead to less time in the offensive zone, a change in shifts, or even goals, it's really crippling for a hockey team. And, and as for the contracts, they're, they're well-deserved. You know, your, your general manager, Armstrong, he knows exactly what he sees from a day-to-day basis. And I'm sure he communicates with the head coach, uh, Craig Berube, to him what they're like as people. Because you just don't reward players long-term deals just based off of one year or a couple of years. You have to be able to project what these guys are going to be like in the next seven, eight years, and what kind of people they are, what their work ethic is like. Is that kind of money going to change them? And I don't think that's going to be the case. These guys are hockey players. They're they're focused. They're dedicated. They work on their craft on a daily basis. I just love seeing young players get rewarded with, with big-time contracts.
1: Well, and that is how the league goes, Anson, right? Like, I mean, it's no more of this, oh, we'll give you a bridge contract and then get to your long-term extension. Like, a lot of teams are, are paying for the future outlook of some of these players, like the Jordan Kairo's and Robert Thomases. And I'm just curious from your perspective as a, as a former player because you've been in the locker room with a lot of younger guys. I mean, one of your teammates, uh, well, actually both of your teammates, just went into the Hockey Hall of Fame and the Sedin brothers, and you were on that team. as a grizzled vet when these guys were a couple of years in. What's that like when you have younger players who have such high upside and expectations that go through those struggles early on in the season?
0: Well, that's why it's important to have vets in the locker room sitting next to them on a daily basis. That could Either during practice, after practice, uh, on the bus, on the plane, uh, go out to lunch, having those conversations away from the rink. Your coaching staff is so important and talking to all the time when I say this, but he knows because he played. You learn more from the guy sitting next to you than you do from the guy with the cheap suit sitting behind the bench. I mean, they, they wear more expensive suits now because coaches are being paid more now. <laughs> but you, it's by os- osmosis that you just learn more from watching and having like, little conversations that you don't even know that they're teaching moments, but they are. But you also have to be a young person that's willing to take criticism, that's willing to take you know, suggestions to heart, and willing to work and see things differently. You know, you talk about the Sedins, they were just like that. They're willing and open to having conversations. Joe Thornton, same exact thing. I even go back to Mike York when I was at Michigan State. And York, he came in as a 17-year-old freshman. And I've also played with young players that I won't say any names that weren't open to those same suggestions. You know, they came to the league, they thought, we called them two-year, ten years. Second year in the league, they thought they were in the league for ten years. And you couldn't <laughs> tell these players anything. And they didn't last very long either because they weren't willing to adapt or change or, or listen to little tidbits of the nuggets that a veteran player would pass along that you know they use in their own game to help them survive and prolong their careers and have successful careers. They're willing to take that same information because they thought they knew it all. And for a lot of the players that I'm not going to mention, they didn't, and they're out of their league fairly quickly.
2: Anson Carter is our guest here on 101 ESB, and you can watch him tonight on the TNT pre-post and intermissions. Uh, he'll be on that for the Blues versus the Blackhawks game again on TNT. Anson, that the central division is interesting this year because We came into the season with such high hopes for Colorado, for Minnesota, for Nashville, for St. Louis, and you look at the standings right now and everybody's kind of condensed in that middle range, and as the Blues were going through their losing streak, we were kind of wondering, hey, is the Central Division going to pull away? It really never did. Do you think that left an opening for the Blues this year to be able to make their comeback now?
0: It certainly did. You just want to stay close. I mean, the Blues know in that room, too – Like, they were in last place when they won the Stanley Cup that year, I think in January, and they're able to battle their way back. So those guys know firsthand that you're capable of doing it, but you don't want to do that every single season. You want to give yourself the best chance, and you just know that the the flip is going to switch, and some of these teams that we thought that would be there near the very end are going to play better hockey during the second half of the year. We just hope that even if they got out of the box a little bit slow, the gate's a little bit slow, that they slowly start to find their game. I mean, there's, there's some young teams that got out of the gates fast and they're starting to slow down a little bit and come back down to earth. And you knew that was going to happen because that success they had wasn't sustainable just based on the team's not ready to take that next step. But a veteran club like St. Louis, I didn't see there's any really need to, to panic. And I didn't get that vibe from management or the coaching staff there, uh, just based on listening to what they had to say, that they were panicking. It was just a matter of being frustrated that you know their whole team wasn't buying in and guys were on the same page because if they did buy in, you're going to see what's going to happen. And that's what you're seeing right now in their current winning
1: streak. Anton, I want to talk about Jordan Bennington with you. Um, He's on a little bit of a a hot streak right now in the midst of this three-game win streak. And, I mean, we've seen the ups and downs of Jordan Bennington going all the way back to that Stanley Cup championship. But from your perspective, how how impactful has he been this season for this team and how impactful do you believe he'll be moving forward?
0: I love Jordan Bennington. He's a competitor. I know typically I want my is to be quiet and have not a lot of excessive movement in the crease. But I like my guy to be fiery. I like my guy not giving up on loose pucks. Uh, you, you saw the competitive fire in the postseason. I know we talked about it a lot in our, our broadcast in the playoffs. I mean, he's a fiery guy. and He's the ultimate underdog. He was way down the Blues' depth chart uh, when he ended up coming up to win that Stanley Cup. Billy Huso was above him. Uh, Billy Hughes was a better year last year than, than Jordan Bennington, but he just put his nose down and went back to work again. So I, I know as a player, when you have a goalie that's fiery like that and you know he to give you your second, third, and fourth extra effort, you're going to do whatever you can to play well in front of him, and, and you feel bad when you don't.
1: Final one for you, Anson, Uh, defensively for this team, I think that's probably the biggest area that a lot of people are concerned about, and I think you probably saw the best of that defense against the Colorado Avalanche uh, the other night in that victory. Defensively, does this team, big picture, does this team concern you defensively, or is it just a matter of this is the early portion of the
0: season? I think just the early portion of the season. I know as a player, the second half to see if you become a little bit more focused. Not a little bit more, I should say. A lot more focused on the little details of the game. And then you start to check for offense more instead of cheating and trying to create offensive chances because now you're jockeying for postseason position. And if you're in, you want to make sure that you're playing your best hockey uh, going in the, into the second half. So uh, I'm not too concerned with them defensively. I know from a defenseman standpoint, and I look at their back end, I, I love when I see teams of big physical defensemen. I always go back to Colton Pareko when they had that run and he paired with with, with Bollmeister, Jay. I thought that pair was the key to why the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Yes, Osbertrangelo, you know, was putting up points and he was allowed to free and roam and do what he had to do going to playing two-way hockey, but I thought those two players, Pareko and Bollmeister, were given the tough assignment to shut down the other team. Having said that, I think there's more to Pareko's game. I, I really do. I think he's got more to him a little bit more upside to him offensively. And I, I wish he would, like, open his game up a little bit because you're a big horse like that. I feel like there's more of a two-way game to his game that we've seen so far.
1: Anson, it's been great chatting with you, man. Look forward to the broadcast with you fellas this evening over on TNT. Uh, and look forward to hopefully talking Blues hockey with you again real soon.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. And quickly, too, I know you guys have my, my teammates hanging around quite, quite often, too. I just want to say to the St. Louis Blues fans out there listening, you guys are so fortunate and lucky to have someone like Panger's card your broadcast. Uh, he's an awesome teammate, awesome guy, and whenever chance I get, it to take, to get to pump his tires, I, I try to. So well, You guys are very fortunate. To have we him
1: we love that, Anson. He's one of our favorites here in St. Louis, and you're absolutely correct. Any chance you get to pump up Panger's uh, tires, you take advantage of that. Anson, thank you so much, man.
0: Thank you. Anytime.